as you're seated. If you have your Bible or device, however you read God's Word, take that out. And this morning, turn to the book of Luke. We're going to continue our study in the book of Luke, and Luke chapter 10 is where we're going to be this morning. And for the last two years, honestly, we've been going through this book, and I believe it's one of the greatest books in the Bible because everything in the book of Luke is about Jesus Christ. Everything points to Jesus Christ. And that's why we're studying this gospel, and I know it's taking a long time, but I love digging deep in this gospel and seeing what God wants to teach us. And so this morning, we're going to look at a few verses there in Luke chapter 10. A few weeks ago, we were getting ready for revival, and I preached kind of three sermons leading into revival, and it was just a mini-sermon series, but I entitled that, The Ingredients to Revival. And I just shared three things with you I thought we must have if we wanted to experience revival, if we wanted to experience a move of God in this place. And we did, we got to experience just a move of God. We saw many people saved and got just a glimpse, a taste of what revival was like. But the last sermon I preached in that series, I preached the most important what I thought an ingredient was anyway, and that was just the presence of God. And in that sermon, I said that if we wanted to experience the presence of God or a move of God in this place, the only way that's possible is for us as individual followers of Jesus Christ to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to let the Spirit of God overflow from us, and then we would be in the midst of the presence of God. After that sermon, I had three different people come up, and they asked me the question, they said, what did you mean by being filled with the Holy Spirit? And so this morning, I want to try to answer that question that came out of that sermon a few weeks ago. What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And what I want you to see is I want you to see in the life of Jesus what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And so we're going to look at that in Luke chapter 10 in just a second. A few years ago, about 15 years ago in fact now, I was a missions pastor at the time. And I got an opportunity to travel over to North Africa. And we were going to start working in a part of the world that is Islamic in faith, Muslim. And it's the first time I'd ever been to an Islamic country. I had worked primarily in South and Central America and all over Europe. But I'd never been to a Muslim country. And the place where we were going to work, we were going to partner with some family, a family that had moved out of our church there. And they had been stationed with the International Mission Board to a city in North Africa, and it was a city which hadn't had a Christian presence in 400 years. They were the first Christians to live in this city in 400 years, and it's a city of over 100,000 people, but they were the first ones. So you can imagine how difficult, how hard that was to go to a city as a follower of Jesus Christ that had never seen Christians. And so we went over as a team, there was only about four or five of us that went over to see how we could partner with them, how we could work with them as a church just to help get the gospel to that city. And we really didn't know what we were doing, so we just kind of walked around, and we just kind of studied the city, and we tried to build a few relationships, but primarily what we did is we just walked and we just prayed. And everywhere we went in the city is we would always go to the mosque, because the mosque is always the center of the city or the village or the community, because in Islamic faith, they believe that for you to be a good Muslim, you have to be able to hear the call to prayer to be able to pray towards Mecca whenever the call to prayer goes out. So for that to be possible, you have to be an earshot of a mosque. So there's mosques everywhere. And so we would walk and we would pray, and whenever we would hear the call to prayer, we would begin to pray and walk around the mosque, and we would go see what was going on in the mosque. And I can remember walking and we could stand, we couldn't go in, but we could stand outside and you could see in and I could see all of these people that praying. And they had the women and the men separated in different courts, but they were on their knees and they were praying towards Mecca and just over and over they were praying again. But in my heart, I could not get over just the sense of darkness and hopelessness that surrounded these places of worship. And in my mind, it was hard to reconcile that because here were people literally, genuinely 
trying to worship God, even though they're worshiping a false God, they're worshiping God. And it was just dark. Now, it wasn't literally dark. It was light outside. It was daytime. So there was plenty of light. But the spiritual darkness was overwhelming. In fact, in some of the places we would go, it was almost oppressive. And I would feel like there was a weight on my chest and it was hard to breathe. It was literally hard to breathe. And in my mind, I'm trying to think, why in the world is it this way? And then God just revealed something to me later. Just a few weeks after that, I was reading the word of God. He was like, John, do you not realize... That the reason it is so hopeless, the reason it is so dark, the reason it is so oppressive is because I'm not there. And I began to try to think in my mind, well, God, you're everywhere. You're omnipresent. That's what your word says. You're everywhere. But then he began to show me in scripture. The Bible says that I, that you, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, are the house of God. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are where God resides. And in a city of 100,000 people where there are literally no followers of Jesus Christ, I am not there because there's no followers there. That's why it's imperative for us as Christians to go and to take the gospel to the ends of the earth because when we go, guess who we take with us? God who lives in us. So I could not oh, just get over the feeling of just how desperate and dark it was in that city in North Africa. But as I came home and I began to visit other churches at the time, I would go preach in a lot of churches during that time. What was sadder to me than going to a city in North Africa and going to mosque after mosque after mosque and not feeling the presence of God was to come back to the United States and go to church after church after church and not feel the presence of God. And I know you're thinking, well, how's that possible? The Holy Spirit lives in us. Well, yes, the Holy Spirit lives in us. He dwells within us. But listen, as followers of Jesus Christ, we can grieve the Holy Spirit and we can quench the Holy Spirit in such a way that He does not move through us. And nobody even knows He lives in us when we do that. And we do that by the way we live our life and the sin that we're committing and everything else. And church after church is that way. And if you don't believe me, answer the question this, why will 4,000 churches in America die this year and no longer exist in 2020? It's because they are not filled with the Holy Spirit of God and God is not flowing out of them and there is death in their midst. That is why. So it is imperative that we, as followers of Jesus Christ, be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Because it's not enough to be indwelt by the Spirit of God. And I'll tell you what I believe that means in just a moment. But we must be filled And not only filled, but letting God overflow from us. Because that's what happened in the life of Jesus. And I want you to see that in Scripture. So if you have your Bible, look there in Luke. And I'm going to look in verse 21 there of chapter 10. I'm just going to read a few verses. So look there, Luke 10, starting 21. The Bible says, at that same time. Now what is that talking about? At that same time. Well, if you were here last week, we preached a sermon about the text just before this. And the text just before this, Jesus Christ sends out 72 disciples. And he sends them out without him. And they are to go out and they are to minister in his name. He did the same thing in Luke chapter 9. He sent out the 12 apostles. And the 12 apostles, the Bible says he gave them power to heal the sick and to cast out demons. And he sent them out. And then right after he sends out these 72 in Luke chapter 10, they come back and the Bible says these 72 come back filled with joy. And they're filled with joy because they tell Jesus, in your name, even demons obey us, Jesus. And they're joyful about this. And all the things that they've done ministering in the name of Jesus Christ. 
And that's the time it's talking about. At the same time they come back and report all these things to Jesus. The Bible says Jesus was filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. And he said, oh, Father, Lord in heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to those who are like children. Yes, Father, it is please you to do it this way. Verse 22, my father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the son except through the father and no one truly knows the father except through the son and those to whom the son has chosen to reveal himself. Verse 23, then when they were alone, he turned to his disciples and said, blessed are the eyes that see what you have seen. I tell you that many prophets and kings have longed to see what you see, but they didn't see it. And they have longed to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. Now, what did they long to see and what did they long to hear? Jesus. That's what they long to hear and see. And the disciples are seeing Jesus Christ. And what are they seeing? They're seeing Jesus filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit of God. That's what they're seeing. They're seeing the Holy Spirit flowing out of Jesus Christ. Now, what you need to understand about Jesus Christ is when Jesus Christ came to this earth, Jesus Christ was God in the flesh. The Bible says in John 1, the word became flesh. So Jesus Christ was 100% God. But in a way, I don't understand it. Not only was he 100% God, but he was 100% man. man. And I understand if you do the math, those two don't equal up. But some way, God did that. And Jesus was God and Jesus was man. But Jesus came to this earth to live in a way to give us an example to follow. He says that in John 13. I give you this example to follow, talking about himself. And so when he came to this earth, because he was man, because he was flesh, he lived in two specific ways. He lived completely to do the will of the Father. He did whatever the Father said. And we know that because Jesus says it in John 6, 38. He says, for I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. So Jesus Christ did the will of the Father, but he also did that will and worked through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God filled Jesus Christ and flowed out of Jesus Christ. And for years and years and years, the church has denied this. And I don't understand why the church denies it, but it's almost in our mind that we think that Jesus Christ came to this earth as God and he did all the things of God and the Holy Spirit was just lying in wait until Jesus Christ went to heaven and then he sent the Holy Spirit down and then the Holy Spirit came and did everything that he does. But that is not the truth of Scripture. The Holy Spirit of God has been here since the beginning. Go read Genesis 1. And not only did he work through the Old Testament, he worked in the Gospels through the life of Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus was filled with the Spirit. And I want you to see this in Scripture. And I want you to understand that this is not my words. This is not my ideas. This is the Bible. This is the Word of God. And so I want to be very clear on this. And I'm going to read you a lot of Scriptures. Now, you don't have to turn to all of them. You can look at them on the screens. But I hope you write them down. Because this is something you don't hear, especially in a Baptist church. But you need to know it because it's imperative as our lives as followers of Jesus Christ to live by the example that he followed. And if we will do that, I'm going to show you in his word that we are going to be able to see things and do things that will boggle your mind. So let's see the spirit in the life of Jesus. And as we look at the spirit in the life of Jesus, I want to go back before Jesus Christ was even born. Because without the Holy Spirit of God, Jesus Christ would have never came to this earth. And I want you to see that in the Bible. This is what Luke 1 says. Luke 1, The Bible says this about Mary. It says she was confused and disturbed. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. 
for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. In verse 35, Mary asked this question. But how can this happen? I'm a virgin. So the angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. Now right there we have the Holy Spirit of God overshadowing or coming home Mary, and then she becomes pregnant with a child so that Jesus is not born by the seed of man because the seed of man is sinful. He is born by the very throne of God. And that is why the Holy Spirit came upon Mary so that Jesus Christ could be born. But not only is Jesus Christ born through the power of the Holy Spirit, His ministry was through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we believe that Jesus' ministry started around the age of 30. He was around 30 when this happened. And the very beginning of His ministry started with His baptism. When John the Baptist baptized Him. And this is how John the Baptist talks about Jesus' baptism in John 1. Then John testified, John the Baptist, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon Him. That word resting there just means that the Holy Spirit remained upon Jesus Christ. So that Jesus started His ministry when the Holy Spirit of God rested on Him. And then right after that, in Luke 4.14, this is what the Bible says about Jesus. Then Jesus returned to Galilee Filled with the Holy Spirit's powers. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. So right there, the Bible tells us he was filled with the Holy Spirit's power. And then we know that he did all the work that he did on this earth through the power of the Holy Spirit. How do we know? Acts 10.38 And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then... Jesus went around doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. When did Jesus start doing good works? When did he heal the sick? When did he raise the dead? When did he speak the Sermon on the Mount? When did he do all the things that he did? When he was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power, according to the word of God. But not only was the Holy Spirit with him even before he came to this earth, and while he was on this earth, even at the cross, he went to the cross in the power of the Holy Spirit. Go read Matthew 26 or Luke 22. And the Bible talks about Jesus Christ going to the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he was crucified. And it's there that he prays and he prays that the cup of suffering. And what he's talking about there is he doesn't want to drink the cup of God's wrath for our sin, for your and my sin. So he prays three different times that that cup would pass for him. But each time he prays, he says, but not my will but thine be done. Again, he's completely submitted to the will of the Father. And he's praying for help. That's what he's praying for because he's man, he's flesh. And so God sends him help. In Luke 22, we see that God sends an angel to minister to him. But God also sends the Holy Spirit. How do we know? Hebrews 9, 14. This is what Hebrews 9 says. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. Now, how did Jesus do it? By the power of the Spirit of God. That's how He offered Himself as a sacrifice for our sins. But not only is He crucified through the power of the Holy Spirit, He was resurrected through the power of the Holy Spirit. In Romans 1, Romans 1 says this, starting in verse 3, the good news about His Son in His earthly life, He was born into King David's family line, and He was shown to be the Son of God 
when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. The song we sang earlier comes from Romans 8, 11. It says this, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living among you. So everything that Jesus Christ did on his earth, from his birth, and we could go all the way to his ascension and to his second coming, guess how he does it? In the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And guess what power you and I have living within us if we're followers of Jesus Christ? According to Romans 8, the same power. And that's why Jesus Christ says in John 14, 12, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have done and even greater works Because I am going to be with my Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it. So that the Son will bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. The only way possible for us to do the same works that Jesus Christ did on this earth. And even greater works than he did on this earth. Is through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. But Jesus said, if we will do what his word says. That's what will become reality. Now, how is it possible for us to do the same works that Jesus did or even greater works? We must be filled with the Holy Spirit just like Jesus Christ. So what in the world does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God? What does it mean to be like Jesus Christ as he lived and walked upon this earth, as he died and as he was resurrected from the dead? What does it mean? Well, this is what I believe the Bible teaches it means. Because the Apostle Paul says this in Ephesians 5.18. He says, do not be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Now, why in the world does the Apostle Paul compare and contrast something like being filled with the Holy Spirit of God to being drunk with wine? Because it is a perfect comparison. And here's why. All of us have seen someone who has been drunk on wine or alcohol or something else. And what happens when someone becomes drunk? Well, here's what happens. They will say things they would never say without the influence of that alcohol. They will do things they would never do without the influence of that alcohol. They are completely influenced and controlled by that alcohol, right? What do you think it's like when you're filled with the Holy Spirit of God? You will say things you would never say on your own. You will do things you will never do on your own. You are completely influenced. You are completely controlled by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. That's why the comparison and contrast. But not only that, think back to Acts chapter 2. The church of Jesus Christ, after he ascended up into heaven in Acts chapter 1, for 10 days they had met in an upper room. There was only 120 of them, but 120 of them met and they prayed for 10 days. They prayed, they prayed, they prayed, they prayed. And then in Acts chapter 2, the Bible says the Holy Spirit came like a mighty rushing wind. And they began to speak in tongues that they didn't know. Languages that they had no clue what language they were speaking. And they went out and they began preaching and prophesying and teaching. And the people in the crowds looked at those men and what did they say? They're drunk. And Peter said, they're not drunk. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. They're filled with the Spirit of God. That's what happens when you become filled with the Spirit of God. You are influenced. You are controlled by God rather than yourself and your inhibitions and the things that you think you can control. You give it to Him and He flows out of you and does things through you that you could never do on your own. Because his power is moving just like it moved in the life of Jesus Christ as he lived this earth. Now the problem for us, especially as Baptists, what we've been taught all our life, which is true, 
is that when we receive Jesus Christ, we receive the Spirit of God. Ephesians 1.13. Ephesians 1.13 says this, And when you believed in Christ, He identified you as His own by giving you the Holy Spirit, which He promised long ago. And that is our seal as believers, that we receive the Holy Spirit when we believe in Jesus Christ. And that is what I mean by being indwelt by the Spirit, or you becoming the house of God or the temple of God and God dwelling in you. But there is a huge difference between the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the filling of the Holy Spirit. The indwelling is just the seal that cannot be broken of your salvation. But that does not mean that God is going to work in you or through you or flow out of you. That only comes through the filling of the Holy Spirit. How do I know? Because what does Paul says? He says, be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Now, we don't catch all of the nuances here in English. That's why preachers learn Greek. And the word there to be filled is the Greek word pleiru. And that word is in such a tense, it's in the imperative case, which means that it is a command. And it's also plural tense, which means it's not for one person or two people. It is for all of us. It is plural. It is a command for us all. And it's also in present passive tense, which means that it is to happen over and over and over and over again. This is something that happens to us every day of our life, that we are filled with the Holy Spirit of God and he flows and works and moves out of us. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit is just a one-time event when, when we believed in Jesus Christ, we were sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. But to be filled with the Holy Spirit happens over and over and over and over again. Now, when you believed in Jesus Christ and you were indwelt by the Spirit of God, I also believe you were filled with the Spirit of God. But you might not remember what that was like. But I guarantee you, you were different when you believed in Jesus Christ. I guarantee you felt different and you thought different, I guarantee you talked different, and you probably told people about Jesus Christ when you were saved. How many times have you done that this week? So you can be indwelt by the Spirit of God, but God might not be moving and flowing out of you if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit of God. That's why Paul says, to be filled. It is a command. And it is a command for all Christians. So the question this morning is, are you filled with the Holy Spirit of God? And that's a yes or no answer. It's either yes or no. Listen, when God looks down from heaven and he looks on this earth, he sees two different types of people. He sees those who are lost and those who are saved. That's what he sees. And we know that according to the Gospels. Jesus Christ talks about the wheat and the tares or the sheep and the goat. That's what he sees, those who are lost and those who are saved. He wants everyone to be saved according to his word. That's why he's being patient. Peter tells us that. And he's, not, he's being patient in his promises sending Jesus Christ back because he wants everyone to repent and wants none to perish. But listen to me. When Jesus Christ looks down on this room and he sees a room full of followers of Jesus Christ, he also sees two different types of Christians. According to the Bible, he sees Christians who are carnal, who are fleshly, or those who are spiritual. Now, if you are a carnal Christian, it means that you are controlled or dominated by your flesh, by your will, by your desires, by your heart, by what you want. If you are a spiritual Christian filled with the Spirit of God, then you are a Christian who does what God wants, and you're controlled by God, and uh, do whatever He says, wherever He wants you to go, that's who you are. That's what He sees in this room right now. So are you filled with the Spirit? Are you filled with yourself? Again, it's a yes or no answer. So I guess the greatest question is, how can you be filled with the Spirit? How, every day of my life, can I be filled with the Spirit of God? Well, it's just an issue of control. Who has control of your life? In Ephesians 3.19, Paul prays that we, his readers, his 
followers of Jesus Christ would be filled with the fullness of God. Whatever you're filled with, that's what's going to flow out. So this morning, if you're here and you're filled with anger, guess what's going to flow out of you? Anger. If you're filled with bitterness, guess what's going to flow out of you? Bitterness. If you're filled with love, what's going to flow out of you? Love. If you're with joy, what's going to flow out of you? Joy. What flowed out of Jesus Christ? Joy. He was filled with the fullness of joy of the Holy Spirit. What are the fruits of the Spirit? Love. Peace. Patience. Kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Jesus was filled with what? Joy. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit of God, those fruits are going to flow out of you. And guess what happens when you're filled with those things? People are drawn to that. They're attracted to that. When we think of Jesus Christ walking this earth, I think what we think is we think of him as stoic and somber and walking around sad all the time. That's not who Jesus Christ was. He was joyful, according to Luke chapter 10. And people were drawn to that. How many people are you drawn to that are angry and bitter and just suck the life out of you? You don't want to be around those people. Who do you want to be around? Joyful people. Why? Because that's the fruit of the Spirit. When you're filled with the Spirit of God, you will be filled with joy and love and peace and patience, kindness, faithfulness. Those nine things will be characteristic of your life. So how is that possible? Verse of Scripture, one more. Out of Romans 12. This is what Paul says in verse 1. He says, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly your way to worship him. So what are we to do as followers of Jesus Christ if we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? We offer ourselves as living sacrifices. Now, the words here, if you study this text, they point back to the Old Testament. They point back to the sacrificial system before Jesus Christ died for our sins. Year after year, week after week, month after month, they would have to take animals into the temple, onto the altar of God, and they would have to slit their throats, and blood would have to be spilt for the forgiveness of sins. And that's what this is pointing back to. He is saying, present yourselves as living sacrifices to God. It's what Jesus says five different times in the gospel when he says, deny yourself Pick up your cross and follow me. A cross is a death instrument. For you to pick up a cross means that you die to yourself. You deny your flesh. You deny yourself. And you follow Jesus Christ. When you surrender. When you give up. When you let God take control. That's when he fills you. And that's only when he fills you. Oftentimes when we come to church. We hear sermons about God wanting more of this, God wanting more of that. God wants your money, God wants your time, God wants your talents. God don't want none of that. He don't need your stinking money. He gave it to you in the first place. God doesn't want that. He wants you. That's what God wants. That's all He wants. He wants you. But guess what? He wants all of you. He doesn't want parts. He wants the whole. And if you're not willing to give it all to Him, guess what? You are not going to be filled with the Spirit of God. You're not. Jesus was completely submitted to the will of the Father. Then he was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Same is true for your life and mine. When we give up, then God comes in. But only then. We must surrender control of our lives. Listen, the filling of the Holy Spirit of God is not God receiving more of you. It's God getting all of you. 
That's what it is. And that's what God wants. But the problem, especially in the American church, is that we don't see church that way. In the 80s and the 90s, especially the early 2000s, what we, church, what we turn church into in America is we turn church into a place where you can come and get your needs met. All your needs can be met in the church. That's why we built gyms so that you can come and get all your physical activity. That's why we built dining halls so you can come and you can eat. That's why we have program after program after program. Well, that was a disservice because here's what happens. People come to church and they believe they come to church to get something. You don't come to church to get something. You come to church to give something. And what do you give? You give of yourself. That's why I hate it when somebody comes and says, Oh, pastor, I didn't get much out of that sermon today. Or I didn't get much out of worship. I didn't like the song. Well, that's because it ain't about you. And you shouldn't come to church to get something. You should come to church to give something. And you should give yourself. That's what you should give. And when you give yourself, then you get God. But only then. And when you get God, you get the power of the Holy Spirit. And you get to fulfill what Jesus Christ says in John 14, 12. Hey guys, you will do the same things I did on this earth. What did he do on this earth? A lot. But not only will we do the same things he did on this earth, even greater things according to the word of God. But it's only when we let go. Read the Bible. And see how individual followers of Jesus Christ did great things on this earth. Guess how they did it? The same way Jesus did it, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Go read Acts chapter 4. Peter stands before the council that condemned Jesus Christ to be crucified. You know what the Bible says? He preaches to them. How? In the power of the Holy Spirit. Guess what they do to him? Well, they arrest him and John and they beat him. But guess what happens? The church is praying the whole time. And the Bible says in Acts 4.31, after this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they preached the word of God in boldness. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Go read Acts chapter 6. It says Stephen was a man full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. And then he preaches one of the greatest sermons in all the Bible. The Apostle Paul, before he became the Apostle Paul, was Saul and he was crucifying, convicting the church of every type of crime. He was trying to destroy the church. And he meets Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus and he becomes blind. And Jesus sends a disciple to him to pray over him. And do you know what he prays? He prays that he might regain his sight and then be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. That's what the Bible says. Listen to Acts 9.17. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming has sent me that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then what did the Apostle Paul do right after that? The greatest missionary the world's ever seen. Why? Because he was filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And guess what? God wants the exact same thing for you and for me. Exact same thing. And all he's waiting for is for us to let go and give it to him. One of the things I love about the Bible is I love how the Bible is always pointing back and forth. Especially the Old Testament, how it's always pointing to Jesus Christ. And it's always pointing to what's about to come. Sometimes you ought to go read the Psalms. And you ought to read how many times in the Psalms the Bible says to lift up holy hands to the Lord. Over and over again it says it. Why does the Bible say to lift up holy hands to the Lord? When you lift up holy hands, what are you doing? You're surrendering. 
Somebody walks back in that door and they have a gun and they point it at me and I want them to know I give up. What am I going to do? I give up. I surrender. So when we lift up holy hands to God, what are we saying to God? I give up. I surrender. When's the last time you've done that? You care more about what the person sitting next to you thinks than you care about what God thinks. How do I know? Because you don't lift up holy hands in this place. Guess what? Read the New Testament. What does the Apostle Paul? He says, lift up holy hands in the sanctuary, in the temple of our Lord. You surrender. You give up. The psalmist is pointing to what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 12.1 and to the filling of the Holy Spirit of God and to the fulfillment of Jesus Christ on this earth after He goes to heaven waiting to come back. But He's waiting on you and me to do what we're called to do so that the world can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ according to Matthew 24.6. Then He will come. But the world will never hear unless we take God places He's never been. The world will never hear unless we open our mouth and say things we've never said. And we will never open our mouth and say things we've never said unless we're controlled and filled by the Holy Spirit of God. Never. And we will never be filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit of God until we give up. Until we say, God, I can't not do it anymore. I have failed. I have screwed up. I surrender to you. I will try your way because mine ain't worked. And when you do that, you get this. You get the life of Jesus. That's what you get. According to the word of God. So this morning, will you surrender? Will you give up? So that God can take control. Bow with me, Lord. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for who you are, for what you've done, and for what you're going to do through us. Lord, I pray this morning for every person in this room that as they have heard your word preached, that that word would grip their heart change their lives, but not just change their lives, change this church and change our community and change our world as you live and flow from us. So Lord, forgive us for trying to do it our own way. Forgive us for not understanding. Forgive us for not surrendering. Lord, we just pray for these moments you would bless them that you would work and minister through them and that you would be glorified Lord we pray it in the name of Jesus Amen